I think uh, we are ready to go, guys. And uh, today, what's up? Welcome, everyone, again, another episode of The Conspiracy Farm. I am always your host, Mr. Jeffrey Wilson, co-host, co-hosting with UFC champion, my buddy, Mr. Pat Militich. What's up, sir? Good to, good to be here, man. We're going to have a great show today, buddy. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm, I'm directly connected to this one, so I like oh, it. Absolutely, absolutely. This is another one that kind of goes deep down the rabbit hole, folks. Today on the program, we have an individual. He is a nurse practitioner. He is a diplomat with a fellowship in metabolic disease management. He heads up ACI. ACI is an organization which identifies substances that are in the human body that need to be removed or even identifying substances that need to be there and an individual might be deficient in. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the program Mr. Sean Snyder. How you doing, sir? I'm doing good, doing good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. No, thanks for taking the time. And so kind of this is a very fascinating subject because, you know, you get into food, you get into how people eat and what they eat and what it does to the human body. You know, Hippocrates said, let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. And that doesn't seem to be working with a lot of people. And a lot of people, you know, they're very deficient in a lot of things. Now, you happen to work with people from your random citizen finding out their deficiencies up into elite athletes in like Major League Baseball, as well as the elite athlete that we have currently. Co-hosting the show with us today, Mr. Pat Militich, was one of the individuals that benefited benefited from um, your expertise. Um, if you don't mind, you or Pat, tell us how that marriage came together and exactly what you do and uh, a little bit about ACI. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll do this. I'll, I'll talk about how I was turned on to, to Sean. A good friend of mine told me about him and that I should go see him. And then he can, he can elaborate maybe on how he specifically uh, helped me, I guess. But... And, and other individuals, and we'll get into a lot of other things that people need to know about, I think, in terms of their health, nutrition, supplementation, everything else, that, that I was completely, after being a professional athlete for 20-some-odd 20, 20 years, was completely naive to. I thought I was eating healthy, you know, whole grains and, and this and that, and complete misconceptions about what I was putting in my body. But for the, for the past 15 years, I had been dealing with massive pain, uh, arthritis, literally couldn't stand in the same spot for two minutes without needing to sit down from, from pelvic inflammation and thought I had sciatica and everything else and just, mm -hmm. just miserable. And I thought every, all of my problems, in, including you know my breathing problems and everything else I was having, was from damage that I received fighting professionally for so many years. You know, I had a lot of kickboxing matches, Muay Thai, and mixed martial arts matches, and along with playing you know, impact sports wrestling and football my whole life. So I just thought it was damage that I had incurred, but but Sean ran some some blood tests on me, and, and it was it took two times of him talking to me for me to finally realize um, what he was saying to me. Apparently, I got hit a lot and wasn't paying attention. But you, you know, he 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 basically said, you know, you've got a couple forms of arthritis. You know, your your respiratory is being affected, your digestive system is being affected, which is because of the stomach producing certain certain uh, chemicals are going to affect your thinking, your your brain. You're not thinking clearly, you know, foggy brain and everything else. There's so many things that were tied to it. And he said, basically, you've got to quit eating wheat and soy or gluten. Uh, you're, you're, that's, that's the cause, the root of all your problems. And w literally, once I stopped eating it, a week later, I had no more. And you got to remember, I was a guy that, I mean, I would jog three miles and, and I'd be crippled for two days. I I'd just be in complete total pain and, and could hardly walk. So, you know, the fact that a week after I quit eating these foods, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I, 
I could run and I didn't have muscle soreness. I didn't have fatigue in, in just one week. And I went from running three miles and being crippled to a couple of weeks ago, I ran 45 miles. And granted, I was tired for a couple of days, but I didn't have real muscle soreness or anything after that 45-mile run. So so Sean obviously knows his stuff, and that's why I felt very important to have him on here. And maybe Sean can, can elaborate on some of the stuff that, that I had going on with me and, and how he helped me. Yeah, that's... Uh... In in uh, putting it very simply, you, know, you said exactly what was going on, and um, I think uh, you know you asked also to uh, what what exactly ACI does. Well, we do a very good job of diagnostically looking at things, trying to figure out uh, root causes of problems. Uh, it, it takes uh, it takes measurements that uh, you know require gathering samples, whether it's you know blood or or urine, or whatever it may be, and, and then uh, pulling out what uh, what kinds of individual markers we're looking for to see if we can determine the root of the, of the cause. And in this case, we were talking about uh, with gluten and uh, with gut. You know, obviously there were some some uh, uh, in, inflammatory markers that were looked at. There were some uh, uh, there were some uh, substances produced by bacteria in the gut that uh, were looked at, and uh, also antibodies that our our body's immune system produces, uh, uh, you know, a fighting force, and uh, these antibodies then were uh, signaled to attack uh, gluten, which is a, a substance that holds together grains, uh, and so in this every time. There was exposure to gluten uh, for for Pat. There, it would uh, increase the uh, inflammation from these uh, from these antibodies. So really going right back into the into the gut uh, at the at the cause or at the at the root of the problem. So uh, that became immediately the focus for the inflammation, which is true for a lot of athletes. Well, Sean, I've got to ask you. You know, when I when I get blood tests done at my family doctor. You know, they don't take that much blood from you, number one. The tests aren't that extensive. The tests that you did on me, you took, I don't know, 20 vials of blood compared to two or three maybe at a family doctor uh, or at a, at a lab just looking for basic stuff. What? Why do you need that much blood, number one? And two, what are you looking for? The list of stuff that you're looking for in in the amount of blood that you take, the number of tests that you, that you administer to that, um, are, are obviously very extensive. After showing me the the, the grid, the, the amount of stuff that you test for on your computer screen, I, I, obviously I'm very com- confused by it. I'm a layman, but maybe you could go through and explain all of that stuff and why it's, it needs to be so extensive and what you're specifically looking for. Well, I think we, well, mostly what's true for athletes in general, but also with with, with our population is the amount of the amount of stress that uh, uh, people are enduring. Uh, the stressors uh, of 300 years ago are a little bit different than they are today, but the body's response is very similar. Um, for instance, we make a, a hormone for long-term protection of stre- from stress and damage, and that, that, that hormone that we make is called cortisol. You know, It needs to be made in the adequate amounts. It doesn't need to be made uh, in, high, in uh, higher than... Um, you know, human range, uh, it doesn't even mean those amounts. Is that, that can be very damaging, especially to brain. Uh, but it want, needs to be balanced like right in the middle. So 
I think in starting with it, looking at stress and how it impacts the rest of the body, that would that's at the root, you know, where we need to determine, you know, what the cortisol value, what those values are through the day, and then, you know, the other two organ systems that are tightly related to the adrenals or or that cortisol are are the pancreas, which is a insulin and sugar control. Uh, for the most part, and also digestive enzymes, uh, and then also uh, the thyroid, which is the gas pedal for the metabolism. So we see these metabolism problems and leads to other issues like the high cholesterol and the high cholesterol particles and the damage to the blood vessels and inflammation and also you know blood sugar elevation, insulin resistance, diabetes, all these kinds of things. And if you haven't looked at the root of that metabolism, those three organ systems – then you're going to end up uh, possibly missing the, uh, you know, the big picture there, and uh, and chasing after those those end results or manifestations. In other words, giving a pill for cholesterol when actually uh, the metabolism should have been looked at first. Uh, the person's under a tremendous amount of stress. The thyroid is uh, not not functioning properly, or it's being blocked uh, to to conserve energy. And uh, and uh, so we're, what we're seeing really is a compensation more than uh, a disease there. So that. So that that particular complex need to be looked at, and then all of the other steroids that are produced from the you know and, and very generally there's a, I mean a, a lot a lot of symptoms a lot of function and responsibility of these messengers that our body produces in order to keep it functioning appropriately and and if we're deficient in uh, any one of those uh, steroid hormones there's going to be some some problems see there's there really is no advantage to any hormone being out of out of balance whether it's too high or too low. Uh, you know, there's going to be some adversity with uh, either way. Uh, so hormones are very important. Steroid hormones are those that are made of cholesterol. Uh, those are those are you know all of them are important. So uh, that's we have to look at all of those and we have to look at that metabolism. So those are first and foremost. But in an athlete, you know, we want to take a look at what is their uh, what is the capability of their heart to, to take up oxygen and um, you know what at what point do they do they hit their their thresholds where they're uh, bur- moving from burning, uh, uh, you know, from fat into burning sugar and, and forming lactic acid? Because uh, if we can know those markers, you know, if we know those exact plotting points of where that where the heart rate is when the, when those occur, um, and we also know how much oxygenation is being um, brought up by the heart, then we can uh, help to train uh, and get whatever the sport is. To help the uh, athlete uh, hit hit those targets, and uh, and also what they're capable of at the, at the or what their current shape is. Yeah, and what you're what you're just describing that that would be when you would apply a VO2 max. Test. Yeah, that's correct. Correct. Okay. Uh-huh. So explain the VO2 max test for people who who aren't even remotely aware of what that is. And it has basically has the two sensors in it, one that analyzes overall air and one that analyzes the oxygen. Uh, and so, it, it really what what the what the device is. It's like a uh, it, it has a mask and uh, you know it has a tube connected to it and it and it goes to this to this analyzer. Uh, and you you're uh, at rest. The, the instruments have the capability of measuring through oxygen and, and CO2 uh, what exactly the caloric demand is or what you you know how much you should be eating and consuming on a daily basis. That takes around 10 minutes, and then it calculates that out. And the next step of it is to figure out during activity 
what the what the metabolism what that need is and also uh determining then that the vo2 max anaerobic anaerobic thresholds and that's done on a on a gradual increase of activity um i use a tread i use a a matrix treadmill to to gather data and i just gradually increase the incline until we achieve the heart rate at which uh those uh plots can be can be gathered or or taken in the so those uh uh, those oxygen uh, sensor, the overall sensor, and then the oxygen sensor have the ability then to uh, help us plot ranges and heart rate and calories and all sorts of things like that. So it's a it's it's a very it's a fundamental test, really. I mean, if you you know, I've, I've always said I wanted to take like a you know a high school team and and uh, and just use a VO2 tests in order to put the uh, the athletes in the positions where they're most suitable based on the the findings of the VO2. Uh, and see what kind of like a football team, D backs, quarterbacks, running backs, linemen, all that. Yeah, correct. Just to kind of play a little chess game, see what happens, you know, on a little scrimmage. But you know, that's (laughs) that'd be kind of interesting to see that. But uh, uh, it's it's very important. Yeah, I can see that. And then going back, I'm I'm dissecting some of the stuff you've already said when you talk about you know a doctor putting you on cholesterol medicine when when other things should have been looked at beforehand. You know, in my case, it was I was literally on the verge of saying, all right, I'm going to go to the doctor and I'm going to get uh, medicine for arthritis because this, I can't, I can't do this anymore. This is just, and I would be on who knows, God knows what or how many arthritis medicines right now, had I not come seeing you. And then all of those medications and for numerous health issues, you name it, uh, doctors just prescribe these drugs to, to mask the symptoms instead of going to the root, root cause of what you do and what other people that specialize in, in your field do mm-hmm. and and get rid of the real reason that, that these things are happening in the first place, which is, it's amazing to me the way, uh, and I've always been a health conscious person, how even I've been brainwashed into thinking that I was ready to go to a doctor and, and get, get these medications prescribed to me for the pain. Uh, and I'm just, you know, by the grace of God, I got lucky and found you and had somebody point me in your way. But I mean, go into that a little bit further about all the different drugs that people are taking and all the side effects and everything else. Yeah, I think the and, and that's a good point. You know, victims. I, you know, I call a lot of the clinicians today. I think that you know, and genuinely, they do want to help. You know, and they're good people. Uh, it's just that a lot of times I call it a victim of the system. They're they're victims of the system. They're uh, it's it's very difficult, especially in an insurance model, in order. Uh, to to spend the time that it takes to be with somebody to to truly understand their needs to hear them to do a thorough examination and to come to uh, look at all body systems how they're interrelating and then going after them so it becomes very tunnel vision um, to where you know the clinician is chasing after just the you know well, tell me what you're here for what's the main thing uh, you know that's all I have time for. Well, that's what I was going to ask, too. I hear because of that model, the average time is like seven minutes that a doctor gets instead of like a, you know, two hours, which is like the real in-depth. Correct. That's correct. Yeah. So uh, if we can get back, if we can get, you know, once everything and without getting too much into that medical model and that and and what's going on with that today. But if we, you know, in this, you know, I've got a, for a small business and my solution seems to work, you know, it works well and it keeps it affordable and I can spend time and enjoy Spending time with people, getting to know them very well. And- <laughs> right. So when, you know, I had a guy, the guy's a bartender, but he's also a, a personal trainer. And and at one of the 
at one of the uh, hotels that I stay at when I travel for my broadcasting jobs, and I was talking to him in the restaurant. And the guy's, in, I mean, the guy's really fit. He's lean. He's vascular. I mean, just really striated and, and in shape and does a, does a lot of different type of stuff uh, exercise-wise. And, he, and, he's, and he's very knowledgeable. And he said, you know, are you eating medium-chain triglycerides? And I looked at him probably like a dog hearing a whistle for the first time. I tilted my head sideways and said, what the, what the hell is a medium-chain triglyceride? And, but he said, look, this is where you can get it. Uh, in grass-fed unsalted butter and coconut oil, you know, cook with it. Put the put the butter in your coffee, you know, whatever, any way you can get it in your system because it's going to assist you in in absorbing the nutrients from your food better. You're going to feel a lot more energy. <clears throat> Explain what the hell those are, number one, and two, why they work so well to give you more energy. Well, they they give it a shut. It's like a shuttle system, and what you just basically said is, uh, in order to you can improve absorption by it, it's kind of a, a taxi across the membrane in the in the GI system to pull those uh, to pull those back into the body and into the bloodstream where then they can travel to the tissues you know where they're necessary for you know what you said normal function and, and control of inflammation uh, but uh, that's exactly the the triglyceride chains they they're a, a transport system. And uh, most of your good quality uh, fish oils, will, in order to, to improve their absorption, will have an, an added triglyceride chain in order to bring it across, to, uh, you know, to help it travel to the system. Okay, okay. Well, I appreciate that explanation. That makes it a little easier to, to understand in layman's terms. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that, after hearing that, will, will get it and understand it. Going back to the food pyramid, when we talk about the fruits... Uh-huh. And, you know, for me, I don't understand necessarily I have an idea, but glycemic load, glycemic index, and once those are established, how how fruit would be classified correctly, as you put it, in that food pyramid then based on glycemic load and, and the index. Yeah, if you're, if you're consumed, glycemic index is, is referring to how much, how much you're, you're going to see in a spike in insulin post-consumption of the food in a, in a set time frame. And the, the post the uh, glycemic load is how much of that is going to be you know delivered. I kind of looks look at that as a you know how much of it dumps into the blood over time and again and again and again. Like an example of of a food that has a very high uh, load and a high index is a piece of white bread. You know it has the same amount you know of carbohydrates as a piece of bread that has uh, a lot of capsulated grain. But it has the ability to spike insulin pretty quickly after consumption. If you check that blood sugar in a half an hour and an hour, you're going to see a rise, you know, uh, 100 over 100 uh, very quickly, 110, 120, depending on the person. And uh, so that it's not a slow release. It's not a, you know, the index of that food uh, is based on how quickly that absorption and how quickly that sugar how quickly we have a, a rise in blood sugar in, in the in the bloodstream, uh, as you know, after consumption. So the more uh, you take oranges and you take orange juice, you know, very different indexes because of the fiber. It slows down the sugar going okay. into the bloodstream. So that's the index. You know, we really want to keep indexes, you know, in between uh, really healthy foods. You know, at fifty, be a good cutoff. 
you know, the food should have a glycemic load less than 10. Uh, you know, popcorn has a high index and a very low load. So it could be an acceptable source of food with you know, a lot of antioxidants and fiber in popcorn. So, uh, you know, that's one of the food examples. They, 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 if you follow just an index, you're going to end up uh, eliminating a lot of foods that don't necessarily you know, need to be eliminated. Rice is another one. Um, right. You know, so it's just the, the, the encapsulation on the food slows the index, and the amount of sugar that's contained that will keep dumping into the bloodstream. You know, that's the load. So you want to consider both of those. Okay. So you know what I'm. I find a lot of people have a lot of health issues. They're drinking, you know, diet Coke, diet Pepsi, all these artificial sweeteners in them, and and they're still having problems. They can't lose weight. You know, you see somebody that that drinks this stuff. One, they're completely addicted to it, but two, they they still can't lose weight for some reason. And is that is that just give artificial false flags to the to the pancreas, or you know what what gland that activates anyway and screws up the system? I know that there's I, I've heard people talk about it. I haven't had them explain it in depth. Maybe and maybe you could help well, us out them, a little bit with that. Yeah, some of them like uh, well, for instance, the the yellow stuff uh, that that one has a tendency to uh, displace the thyroid hormones. And you mean in a yellow packet when you say yellow stuff? Right, yellow packet. Sorry, yeah. Uh, and in you know, so that we're, anytime that you're disrupt, you're disrupting some of those those thyroid hormones, you're going to mess with, you're going to slow that metabolism down, and it has an impact on the insulin. Uh, so that you know, it's kind of that that's self defeating in that way. Um, some of them have impact on the brain uh, as well. So and you, it it. Uh, you really want your insulin to be working well, uh, and uh, artificial sweeteners and displacing uh, thyroid hormones for one metabolism, uh, probably not the best thing to be doing, and, and especially when uh, in a diabetic, uh, can they handle small quantities? Probably so, but uh, there are lots of other fine alternatives that don't do that and actually have a lot of health benefit. Uh, the one that comes to mind, the the one I would recommend the most is xylitol, which is the uh, uh, the, the sugar that's found in in uh, Trident gum uh, to prevent uh, dental caries. It uh, it comes from uh, uh, corn cobs and uh, tree bark, <clears throat> but it has a uh, more of a cellulose sugar and alcohol sugar too would be good uh, that we can't absorb very well, uh, and so it doesn't the glycemic index. Is around seven. So after consumption, we're going to see a mass, or the actually the peak spike of, of insulin at around at, at seven, which is really not. Uh, it's insignificant. It's not going to cause any uh, any real problems or any real demand. Uh, the, the downside to, you know, using a lot of it, like if you make Kool Aid with it, then you're probably going to spend the whole day on the uh, on the toilet. So. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna, yeah, Make sure that it's used that. in small quantities, and and uh, I wouldn't recommend it for uh, you know when it, when it calls for a lot of sugar. <laughs> right. Well, what if what if somebody's using say just raw brown sugar, the I mean, where it's where it's not been uh, processed much at all? Yeah. I mean, is that is that also bad for you in small amounts, or or is that tolerable? Well, it depends on the. Yeah, there's uh, stevia has mixed results, you know, in literature, uh, where whether it's beneficial or, or um, you know, in the long run, on insulin and uh, and for is is it a healthy alternative? So mixed reviews on that. I'm I'm still not 100 percent 
sold that that should be the way to go. I, but uh, I'd rather I'd rather use some something that's naturally found on the, on the planet in its unrefined form. To, to go back to the to the question there too, and to Pat, uh, any time that you start refining and breaking something down from its natural form, then you're you're automatically and when we're talking about sugars, uh, you're automatically increasing the the uh, insulin surge that's going to follow as it gets into the bloodstream very quickly and okay. uh, searches it. Yeah. So we want to slow that down as much as possible. And, uh, and really adding sugar to things is, you know, if we can, once somebody's eliminated that, that sugar from the, from their uh, diet, you know, a lot of people do crave the sugars, you know, and, and live on that. In <clears throat> um, one uh, high fructose corn syrup, which is interesting, doesn't need insulin to get into a cell. It just kind of shuttle rockets in there, which increases insulin resistance um, you know, and that's a, uh, you know, a lot of our kids' foods are, are loaded with, uh, with with high fructose corn syrup. Well, a lot of foods in general and processed foods, but uh, if you eliminate those sugars and replace the replace the sugar that was once there with fats, like uh, tree nuts, um, you know, the cravings incur, you know, they're 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 curved for that, and uh, actually you can go without the sugars and elimination of the sugars over time, three, four, five months. Uh, and then, you know, I mean, entirely going with just very, you know, clean, fibrous carbohydrates during that time frame, and then adding in, say, a handful of berries, they're going to taste like you ate, just ate a bag of candy. The amount of sugar that's in the in the natural, naturally occurring foods should be adequate. You know, Sean, you know, something that you explained with me with, you know, the gastrointestinal system. And the belly to brain, how they, how they basically, your, your, your belly, your stomach, your digestive system is your second brain because the chemicals that are released by your digestive system directly influence your thought processes, mental mood, fog, everything else, those genetic mutations in our bodies. You know, explain to the people out there who have no idea, which I had no idea about this stuff, how the mind is is affected by what you're putting in your body and the and the chemicals that are being released by your digestive system. Well, I, I'll use a I'll use a current event example on that, and uh, it, it uh, for those who watch uh, CNN and Fox and and uh, Fox News would have seen the coverage on this. Well, it's probably been I don't know, it must have been early March, I'm guessing. Of, of this year, where the Germans uh, had the findings of their, it was, uh, it was a very, uh, a very good uh, study design. Uh, the results of this study that uh, they they looked at uh, what's called a proton pump inhibitor. That's like your Prilosec, Prevacid, uh, those kinds of uh, acid reducing medications that are are seemingly harmless uh, when they're over the counter or they're handed out. Uh, you know, I've got a little reflux. So I'm going to go ahead and take this so uh, medication because it's a uh, very harmless. It doesn't have any side effects. At least when I take it, I don't notice anything except my my uh, my reflux is gone or I don't have heartburn anymore. Well, the re- results on that study, these uh, from the German study, shows that it's over 40 percent. I want to say it was like 43 or 44 uh, percent. It's going it's one or the other. Uh, 43, 44 percent increased risk. For Alzheimer's disease in the elderly with the use of those medications. So, what we're talking about there is a decrease in your in your vitamin B12 is one thing. Uh, 
impairing magnesium, impairing vitamin D. Uh, the amyloid beta or beta amyloid that's in the brain, that's what stimulates and causes the initial issue with uh, uh, the Alzheimer's and, and, and increasing the insulin resistance in the brain. Uh, is also the other li- underlying issue there. So uh, those folks who were predispositioned for diabetes based on their genetics uh, had taken this antacid. And the theory on it is, and it's not just my, my theory, uh, is that we're seeing eventual issues from the, the gut permeability where it opens up and allows things to travel back out of the gut into the into the bloodstream and one of those is a very specific uh, species of E. coli that travels in and, and has the ability to cross over the uh, the barrier there to the brain and, and to stimulate some of these these beta amyloid plaques so you know that that's where in one way you know that bacteria can influence or can uh, create some problems depending on the genes um, you know where you know, here's somebody, somebody with just a, a genetic risk for uh, dementia has increased that risk unknowingly. Uh, so uh, that's a very, the gut and brain and immune, that was just, a, that was one illustration on that. But there's also another uh, component or another group of, of uh, factors that need to be looked at too. And I, and I do this with the, a lot of times with the athletes and with the kids and and uh, people who have any of these symptoms, you know, they, they, they focus problems, sleep, mood, <clears throat> metabolism, which is basically energy, uh, any of those kinds of, of, of issues, which is, uh, you know, quite a few people or any mental illness or depression in, their, in, in the family as well, uh, is a, a group of genetic mutations. In other words, yeah, there's some, some uh, uh, parts of what makes a, a, a human is DNA and you're seeing some of the, the mutations in certain areas and genes that you inherited from your, 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 your family members, um, almost a, a defect. Uh, if you want to call it that it's a defect. And when you have any kind of defect in certain genes that I'm talking about, it can impair your body's ability to take things from your nutrition and convert them into things that are, useful or required by different areas of the body like the liver the brain <clears throat> i mean uh, in in uh, lungs a lot of the things that we need in order to have better metabolism or to have uh, brain chemicals created that need to which a lot of them are made in the gut by the way uh, but uh, these mutations can affect things like vitamin b12 vitamin b6 uh, can affect uh, what's called glutathione, which is a very, very strong, powerful antioxidant and, uh, and uh, important for brain and liver. Uh, and all, it can affect fats that we need, like uh, what's called phosphorine uh, or phoscholine, uh, fats that are needed in order to keep focus and help you sleep, keeping cortisol levels down. Uh, there's also uh, some problems with the inability to break down histamine, which can cause a whole variety of body symptoms throughout the body. Histamine release um, occurs generally when you're around something that you're uh, intolerant to. So uh, not being able to get rid of that histamine can give it a lot of, uh, a lot of signaling <clears throat> that uh, generally you wouldn't see. So it's important to test those genes, look for mutations. They're going to tell us a lot about nutritional status and possibly what things may need to be supplemented 
in order to prevent diseases like stroke is another one. B twelve six folic acid. If there's a if there's a problem in a mutation in one of those genes, uh, you increase your risk for stroke, regardless of what the toxins are. So it's important to understand and know that if you're going to prevent that, you know you might not even have any idea of what of, of what you need and how much of it. So uh, it's kind of a, anytime I'm going to do a nutritional plan, I really want to take a good look at all all these all these areas of the body. Uh, I mean, otherwise it's really kind of cookie cutter, and, and I don't think right. that really works very well. So going back to you know. You know, going back to Alzheimer's and dementia, which is a massive problem right now, a lot of people have to deal with it. Not only does dementia destroy that person's life or Alzheimer's destroy that person's life, but uh, many times it, it causes huge problems for the spouse and the family. I mean, it can really wreak havoc on people and and, and even kill the spouse because of the stresses and stuff that, you know, of, of caring for that person. You know, the people who don't have money to put, put their spouse in a, in a home specifically designed to take care of them. So if... Honestly, when I hear you talk about it, and I've heard other people talk about this with, with the causes of it, do you think it's reversible, number one? And, and two, if you think it, it can at least be lessened, you know, what, what natural processes would you use? What supplementation, things like that, would you use to try and bring that person back? <clears throat> well, the, to, ask, to answer the first part of that is, is it reversible? Well, I think, the, the, you know, all our genetics – you know, genetic predisposition, say like a, what's called an APOE gene. If if there's a, you know, if you if you're inheriting part of that risk, then 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 that's what it is. And if you have it from both sides, and you have you know you're inheriting risk. So what you do with that then is look at well, what associations are there um, that increase that risk, and we want to eliminate those things first. You know, and foremost, lifestyle. You know, those kinds of things that are modifiable, eating healthy foods and, and not smoking and, and uh, getting adequate sleep and all, you know, those are all important. Uh, uh, you know, we have to consider all of those other traditional um, components as well. But the main thing for Alzheimer's disease is to make sure that insulin's working well in the tissue. You know, that there is no insulin resistance because it's a type of diabetes. It's not uh, your, your traditional types. It's uh, some consider type three, some consider type four, depending on um, which uh, uh, discipline you're talking to. But at any rate, it's insulin that, that is not functioning appropriately in the brain. So the, we have to keep insulin working well. That's through uh, controlling stressors. Uh, that's through uh, thyroid optimization. And, uh, and it's also through keeping the, the cells sensitive to insulin by food choices. And if there's genetic risk for, for these, uh, for diabetic conditions and problems, then it's, uh, adding in those things or increasing the supplementation that allows for better sensitivity at the cell, uh, to keep the sugars going in. And, uh, that's the number, number, uh, one is better insulin, uh, sensitivity and the second one is what we've been talking about it's a gut microbiome uh, that uh, and you mentioned uh, triglycerides earlier uh, but I'm going to throw another one out there and that's called short chain fatty acids that's okay. what probiotics when they eat the fiber foods that we do uh, they end up with a byproduct producing a short chain fatty acid that reduces inflammation throughout the body not just the gut but throughout the body Okay. Uh, so a lot of different cultures will do, will use different uh, 
ways to increase their amount of their good probiotics, and, you, and a lot of people are familiar with some of them. Um, the Japanese use miso, and then there's uh, what other ways in kimchi? We have, um, uh, you know, in our country, cabbage and people that, uh, you know, or coleslaw rather, you know, making uh, uh, any, any, and then there, the, uh, I believe the Russians have a, a way of fermenting theirs using an alcohol too. Uh, which is interesting, but anytime you can uh, establish uh, the good probiotic balance between that and the and what's called commensal bacteria, which the bacteria that belong there already, we're going to okay. see less inflammation. And Alzheimer's disease is an is an inflammatory condition, so that that it's a it's a very complex issue. But uh, yeah, uh, yeah. So what I was going to ask you about. Um, statin drugs and their possible role in Alzheimer's. I don't know how much of the studies you've oh, yeah. read on that. I've, I've heard it mentioned. Um, do statin drugs diminish the cholesterol around neural pathways? Yeah. You know, maybe you could yeah. uh, touch on that before we close. Yeah, and one of the main one of the main uh, steroid hormones that's decreased from a statin drug is uh, pregnenolone, which is the uh, brain is abundantly full of this uh, hormone. It's over-the-counter, uh, inexpensive, but it's a responsible for attention span and focus. Uh, the other thing that uh, high dosages of statins uh, they deplete an enzyme that our brain and our hearts need called CoQ10. Apparently, somebody with a diagnosis or even a, a possibility of a diagnosis, you know, with, with genetic predisposition for, for Alzheimer's disease, automatically increase the CoQ10. An active diagnosis, 1,200 grams of CoQ10 a day. So it has, it's, it's a very important enzyme, and statins will deplete that. So there are associations. There are associations that statins increase your risk for diabetes, what I just said before, increasing your insulin resistance or increasing sugars, increasing diabetes, multiple studies coming out. Uh, so the, you know, but what does the uh, FDA say about that? They say that the risk for heart disease outweighs the risk for uh, new cases of diabetes. Um, and so that's their solution is to leave these nasty <laughs> drugs on the market and, and then put an excuse in there like that. When actually we can use other things that uh, Google lipids and uh, re uh, <clears throat> red rice yeast and uh, uh, CoQ10 and, 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 other, and, and achieve the same sort of thing. Uh, without this, without the harmful side effects. So, but uh, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. No, it's been this has been very educational, and we could go on forever. And I'm sure we're we're definitely going to have you back on again. So, so it's been an education yeah. for Jeff and I, and hopefully some some folks who are listening to this will will take this stuff to heart and practice it because I'm I, I you know I'm a true believer in what you've done for me and changed my literally changed my life to where I can. I can do things now that I couldn't do when I was 20 because of it. So um, obviously I'm very appreciative of, of your expertise and knowledge, buddy. And so, uh, well, we're constantly trying to keep uh, reposting things in, into, uh, you know, to our website for people to, for just educational purposes and access. And that's acimedicine.com. Um, it's a very basic site, but it does serve the purpose. So uh, I'll, I will uh, be putting things in the library as we, uh, as we develop them. So, but, uh, I appreciate you having me on. All right, and Jeff, go ahead and uh, um, go ahead and jump back on, buddy. Yeah, like you said, Pat, that was a wealth of information, and I'm sitting here breaking out my physician's desk reference, about ready to go to work. I mean, it's definitely one of those where you go down the rabbit hole and it, it takes you down a ways. And I, again, man, thank you so very much 
Sean Snyder, for your time. ACI, go check him out. And, again, we're definitely going to have you on because this is a conversation. Uh, it's hard to have just one because it's, uh, it's quite all-encompassing. Definitely. Thanks a lot. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's a little too complex to cover in one thing, and one conversation, one hour. It, and so it uh, it just confirms all the stuff. And I, I learned a ton just from this conversation. Hopefully the people listening to the podcast have, have uh, as I said before, taken this to heart and, and learned some things and can fix their their health issues. And, and, you know, like they say, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Absolutely. Hopefully everybody's going to listen to Sean and start drinking. Yeah, maybe we'll get some. <laughs> Maybe we'll get some good uh, some advice from uh, about topics in the future, what people want to hear, you know, if we come back on. So we'll have it a little bit more focused. Yeah, yeah, the issues definitely aren't going away, so we'll definitely uh, do what we can to sprinkle a little bit of water on the topics when they come up. Thank you again, Sean Snyder, Pat Militich. Once again, thank you, sir. Travel safe this week as you travel, my brother. And uh, I think we uh, I think we can announce it, man. We got Sean Stone coming up next, the son of award Oscar award-winning Sean, or Oliver Stone. We got him coming on to talk about a little bit of conspiracy and uh, and his new movie. Good times, brother. Good times. All right, stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. Be well.